Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensa, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensa is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. For your goodness, for your love, for your wisdom, for your truth, for your discipline, and your faithfulness. We stand in your presence. We ask that once more your Holy Spirit will be poured upon us. That you will feel us, anoint us, strengthen us, equip us for the work you have given us. In Jesus' name, Amen. We want to thank God for enabling us to meet this year. At first it looked impossible, but he has made it. And today is our last full day. We are finishing tonight. And it is important to understand that if the quality of disciples we produce cannot match up to Christ's likeness, God is not interested in spreading them. Do you want me to say that again? I am saying that the market price of our disciples increases and becomes global if the quality is Christ-like. This is the truth. So because of that, we must work on the quality of disciples as well as attending to the multiplication, the exponential increase of the disciples. This is why in the mornings, we take a look at the quality. And in the evenings, we work on the quantity. Three of the biggest areas to look at when it comes to the quality of the disciples we are producing, number one, is the character. No matter how passionate, zealous, and fruitful any disciple of ours is, if their character does not meet Christ-likeness, it's not Christ-like character base. You, you, you are trying, but your disciples will not go far. They will crack under pressure. Number two, is the doctrine, the teachings, the doctrines not only shape your convictions and character, but, you see, if you don't have Christo-apostolic doctrine, 
you are already a failure in the eyes of God. That's Second John 9 to 11. It says if you don't have the doctrine of Christ, you don't have the Father, you don't have the Son. You've missed them. And doctrine is only one. So, it's not like, well, our church thinks this and that. No, 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 no. There's nothing like that. The people who wrote the Bible were eyewitnesses. They saw, they touched, they felt, they handled, they walked with Jesus. And so, they are not telling you that, well, maybe Jesus was a woman. Well, I'm not sure. Ah, your church says he was a woman. Ah, our church says he was a man. And I, that they, they were eyewitnesses of what they told us. Therefore, they saw, felt, and they were not doubting. They reported to us what they handled, they knew. So they said, Jesus rose from the dead. We saw it. We saw it. We saw him. We talked with him. We ate with him. So our doctrine is critical. If you don't check the doctrine of the disciple you are making, you lose him after some time. Because he branches into strange doctrines. So today, I want to work on the third area. That is, the resources. The resources for meeting God's standard. It is true that whenever you read the New Testament, you, you go back and fall down. Because how? Matthew 5.20 says that if our righteousness does not exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees by far, you can never enter heaven. Matthew 5.20 for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.28 says if you look at a woman to last after her in your heart, finish for you. Matthew 5.28 But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Matthew 5.22 It says you are angry with somebody and you say fool. You will go to hell right now. Matthew 5.22 But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in the danger of the fire of hell. And, you know, as Jesus taught, he said in chapter 7, from verse 21 to 23, that not everybody... Who says, Lord, Lord, who enter the kingdom of heaven? Matthew seven twenty one to 23. Yes. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who, who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And it in your name drive you, out you, demons. You can prophesy in the name of Jesus, not the devil or demons but go to hell successfully. Then I'll plainly tell them, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So, the standard is, is difficult. 
James 2.10 says that anybody who keeps the whole law but breaks one is guilty of all. James chapter 2 verse 10 For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. James 4.17 says if you know what is right to do but you don't do it for you it is sin. James 4.17 Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Romans 14.23 He says, whatsoever is not of faith, is sin. Romans 14.23 But the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. You, you look at the standard, but all this I've said is negative. Let's look at the positive ones. Matthew 5.48 He says we should be perfect Just like our heavenly father is perfect Matthew 5.48 Be perfect therefore As your heavenly father is perfect Luke 6.36 He says we should be merciful Just as our heavenly father is merciful Luke 6.36 Be merciful just as your father is merciful Ephesians 5.1 He says we should imitate God as obedient children. Ephesians 5.1 Be imitators of God therefore, as dearly loved children. And First Peter 1.15-16 He says we should be holy, as God is holy. First Peter 1.15-16 But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it's written, Be holy because I am holy. He says we should forgive one another, just as God in Christ forgave us. Ephesians 4. 32. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. He tells us that we should love one another, just as God loved Jesus and Jesus loved us. John 15. We are reading verse 9 and verse 12. John 15.9 and 12 As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. First John 3, 3 says, We purify ourselves just as he is pure. First John 3, 3. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Second Corinthians 7, 1 says, Having these promises, we should cleanse ourselves from every defilement of flesh and spirit and perfect holiness in the fear of God. Second Corinthians 7.1 Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says, Because we have such a great cloud of witnesses, we should put away every besetting sin and wait which is trying to clog our wheels and run with perseverance the race which is set before us. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. In fact, Jesus said in John 14.12 that anybody who believes in me, the works I do, will he do also. Greater works than this will he do, because I'm going to the Father. John 14:12. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing, 
He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. John 17 verse 14. He says, just as I am not of the world, you, my disciples, you are not of the world. John 17 14. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And we read John 20, 21. After his resurrection, he says, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, so have I sent you. John 20, 21. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. First John 2, 6. He says, If you say you are abiding in Christ, you should walk as he walked. First John chapter 2, verse 6. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 21-23 that this is why you have been called. Christ suffered for us, living as an example that we should walk in his steps. And what are his steps? Number one, he did no sin. Number two, there was no lie on his mouth. Number three, when he was insulted, he didn't insult back. And when he was reviled, he didn't threaten anybody. These are the steps you have to walk in. First Peter chapter two, twenty one to twenty three. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, mm. and no deceit was found in his mouth. Mm. When they held their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threat. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Unless you don't understand the English language. You can't read these Bible passages and still be the same. There is something inside us which tells us that this standard is impossible unless I have help from above. And these are the things which drive us to look into the Bible for the provision God has made for us to live such a life. Now, this is very important because as a church, we preach what the Bible says, not what we think. So some churches don't preach God's standard at all. Because the pastor himself knows he's not able to keep it. And he doesn't want to trouble himself and trouble the church members. So he prefers to just preach about prosperity. So that you will be comfortable. Now some pastors preach the promises. But they don't preach the standard. Some pastors do preach the standard. But they don't preach the promises. And when it's like that, the people here that you should be holy. But how? So day after day, they are forced to live frustrated lives. But Revelations chapter 2 and 3 tell us seven times that he who overcomes is the one God is looking for. If you are not an overcomer, Jesus is not interested in what you are doing. Therefore, it is important to take time to look at the promises and the resources heaven has given to us. I cannot exhaust all, but I want to give you four 
of the most important ones. Because Second Peter chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 says that His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His glory and virtue. Because by these exceeding great and precious promises, God wants us to become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption which is in the world through lust. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4. Second Peter chapter 1, 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now, some people teach that we are not saved by works. I'm not under the law. Don't judge me. You are judging me. That is judgmental. Right? Bible says you shouldn't judge. You are ju- judging. If the Christian shouldn't judge, and don't judge means don't search for what is right, what is wrong. Don't try to figure out what is good and what is bad. Then the Christian is a fool. Let's read it. Proverbs fourteen fifteen. A simple man believes anything. A simple man, a fool, believes everything. But a prudent man gives thought to his steps. A prudent man gives thought to his... A simple man, a fool, believes everything. You see, if the Christian should not judge, then the Christian is a fool. He's a simple man, believes everything. Therefore, we must bring ourselves to the place where we can sufficiently know the difference between what is good and what is bad. Even spirits are to be tested. That's what First John chapter 4 verse 1 says. It says even spirits, you are not seeing them, but test them. First John chapter 4 verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So, this morning, I want to present to you four areas that God has gone ahead to give us help from above in order that we should rise up to the standard He has set before us. Number one is our union with Christ. Number two is our justification. Number three is our sonship or adoption. And number four is the indwelling presence of God. More particularly of God's Spirit. Let me Go over them for you quickly. Number one, our union with Christ. 
in First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30, the Bible says God put us in Christ himself. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, the Bible says God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. We didn't do anything to deserve it. Then, in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, and Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the Bible says, when Jesus was crucified, we were crucified with Jesus. When Jesus died, we died with Jesus. When Jesus was buried, we were buried with Jesus in baptism. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, we will read that one. It says that when Jesus rose from the dead, God made us alive together with Jesus. And when Jesus was raised up and ascended, we ascended with Jesus. And when Jesus sat at the right hand of God, we were made to sit with Jesus in the heavenly places in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, from 5 to 6. God made us alive with Christ. God made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions. Yes. It's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. God raised us up with Christ. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. God seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. We call this our union with Christ. Every morning when you get up, you have to rehearse it for yourself. I have been crucified with Christ. I died with Christ. I was buried with Christ in baptism. I have been made alive together with Christ. I am raised together with Christ. I am seated together with Christ. Why? Because it is your union with Christ that breaks the power of sin over your life. Because Jesus died to sin. Let's read the Romans 6. 6. And so, when he died, and you were buried with him, the power of sin over your life was broken. Romans yes. 6, 6. Yes. 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. Yes. So that the body of sin might be done away with. The body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am no longer a slave to sin. Pride, I'm no longer a slave to you. Telling small, small lies, I'm no longer a slave to you. Yes, lasting after girls, I am no longer a slave to you. I say I am no longer a slave to you. Verse 11 and verse 14. Verse 11 and 14. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Count yourselves dead to sin. Dead to sin. Dead to sin. I'm dead to masturbation. I am dead. I'm dead to gossiping. I am dead. I am dead. I say I am dead. The Bible says I am dead. It's like a madman. You have to keep confessing it because the transformation you can have in your inner person is dependent on whether your mind has received what the scripture is saying. Verse 14. 
For sin shall not be your master. Sin, you won't be my master again. You have lost your throne. You won't be my master again. All my life, sin, you won't be my master again. Because you are not under law but under grace. You see? But it's not only sin. The power of every curse over your life has also been broken. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14 says that Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for me. Because it's written, curse is anyone that hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham should come upon we the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Therefore, my father died from a, a high blood pressure at 50. I won't die at 50 from high blood pressure. You see, my mother, you know, had breast cancer. I won't get breast cancer in Jesus' name. Because Christ became a curse for me. Every curse from my father's house and my mother's house. You don't have power over me. You have no hold over me. In the name of Jesus. And not only that. Sickness and disease. Matthew chapter 8 verse 16 and 17. It says that when it was evening, the brother who was sick and demon possessed to Jesus, he cast out the demons with a word and healed all those who were sick. So that it will be fulfilled. What Isaiah the prophet said that himself took our infirmities and carried our diseases. Oh, Jesus, you yourself took our sicknesses. You carried our diseases. Okay, every morning you get up. Jesus, you took my sicknesses. You carried my disease. Don't wait until the sickness comes before. You see, our union with Christ was effected by heaven to help us break from the power of sin. Not only that, the world. Galatians chapter 6. Let's read the verse 14. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The world and all its culture, its system, has been crucified to me and I have also been crucified to the world. Therefore the last of the eyes the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, which is in the world, which makes worldly people, you know, do worldly things, think worldly thoughts, sing worldly songs, and uh, listen to worldly things, watch worldly televisions in worldly ways, and dance worldly dances, and the world was crucified to me, I have been crucified to the world, its power over me is broken in the name of Jesus. These are promises from God's word. The power of Satan is broken over me. Because I have been crucified with Christ. I died with him. I was buried with him. Now, these things, you must do them until you are like a madman. Because everything in the world tells you that, oh, you, <laughs> do you think you can stop masturbation? You can't do. You can never stop. Other things you can stop. But as for masturbation, you can't you can't. Pornography. You. Sure. Pornography. You. You think you can stop? You've been doing this pornography for 15 years now. Sure. Stop that. Uh, are you serious? From childhood, you've been doing pornography. Hey, why, why is this? Watching bad naked girls. You, 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 you say, did you say you stop? Where did you get that from? So, they, many of us are in the church, but you are bound by anger. You are bound by pride. You are bound by stealing. 
You are bound. You, and nobody is able to help you. Because when you tell the pastor, he says, oh, me too, I, I am struggling with that. Are you coming to me? You bear it like that. When we get to heaven too, it will be okay. You see? You have to get that and work on it. Amen? That's our union with Christ. And the more you confess it and meditate on it and allow it to possess your heart, your soul, your inner man, and become a conviction, the more you begin to see the world and your spiritual life through those spectacles. Number two, justification. Justification is a long English word. And the simplest way to explain it is just as if you have never sinned. Justification. Just as if you have never sinned. You know, for hundreds of years, the Roman Catholic Church kept all human beings a slave to the fact that nobody can be holy before God. Nobody can be just before God. We are all sinners. Mea culpa, mea culpa, mea maxima culpa. So because of that, you are going to receive communion. You go and queue and confess your sin to the priest. Every day, you tell yourself, oh, for me, I drink sin. I'm a sinner. And nobody will go to heaven direct. You go to purgatory. You go and, and, and suffer and then fire is used to cleanse you before you go to God. Then Martin Luther and John Calvin, John Haas, Savonarola, some of these people who were studying the Bible said, ah, but Second Corinthians chapter five verse twenty one is in the Bible. Second Corinthians five twenty one. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What? God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us, so that we will become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What are you saying? The Bible says that just as when you sit in a bus and somebody pays the fare for you, if the bus conductor can say, yes, yes, bring your money, what do you say? Somebody has paid for me. Anybody who cannot take justification what Jesus did, Jesus died a useless death as far as you are concerned. Because Hebrews 4.15 says, He was tempted in every way like us, yet He committed no sin. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, because we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet with, was without sin. So Jesus never committed sin. He knew no sin. He did no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. That's what Peter says. First John 3, 5 says, We know he appeared to take away our sins. In him there is no sin. 
John and Peter, they walked with Jesus. They ate with Jesus. If they say there is no sin in Jesus, no professor or Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, no human being today can say Jesus had sin. Did you see him? Did you eat with him? Did you know him? So, the scripture is saying that God did not spare his own son. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And in his death, he paid for our sin. And when he paid, he paid full. He paid the full price for our sin. So, we can feel forgiven. Romans 8 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for, the, for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. I want you to say no condemnation. condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Hebrews 9.14 says, The blood of Jesus was used to cleanse our consciences from sin and dead works. Hebrews 9.14 How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? Our consciences have been cleansed. The blood of Jesus has been used to wash us thoroughly. And he who knew no sin was made sin for us. Therefore, heaven can say that your sin is forgiven. Ephesians 1, 7 and Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. In Jesus we have redemption. That is the forgiveness of our sins. Our sins have really been forgiven. It's not a dream. And if the sin has been forgiven, so what? The Bible says God went ahead and he took the righteousness of Jesus and gave it to us as a gift and put it on us. Let's read the Romans chapter 5. First of all, read the verse 18. Romans 5, 18. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, when Adam sinned, all men were condemned. So also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. You see, one man's act of righteousness became justification for all men. If Ghana is playing football against the United States of America, it's not every Ghanaian who goes to the football field. We send only 11 of our top people, and they too send 11. And when we score America, we say Ghana has won. And when they two score, we say America has won. Adam was our first football team manager. And he failed. He fell. He broke his teeth with himself and his wife. And all men were condemned. All were made sinners. All. All of us. Death spread upon everyone because of Adam. Then came the last Adam. Jesus Christ. And he went to the field and he crushed Satan. He overcame every sin and temptation. And he won. And he rose from the dead. Wow! And God says that just as Adam 
make all of us sinners. If you accept Christ as Lord and personal Savior, Christ's righteousness is put on you as a gift. You can read the Romans 5.19. Romans 5.19 For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Yes. So, because of that, we can now stand before God without inferiority complex, without condemnation, without fear, without doubt, without any feeling of guilt and slavish trembling. Hebrews 4.16 says, Come boldly before the throne of grace. Hebrews 10.19 says, Come boldly into the holy of holies. We can now come boldly. And Christians chapter 2, verse 13 and 18 says, We have access now by the Holy Spirit to the very presence of God. Never since the world began have human beings gotten the right to go beyond the veil. Even the high priest, he went once a year with blood. And if he messed up, God killed him immediately. And there was a big veil. God was telling everybody, don't come near. Don't come near. Don't come. If you dare, you, I will kill you. Don't come near. But when Jesus died on the cross, this big veil was torn from top to bottom. Meaning it's from God who tore it. It's not human beings. Because God wants access so that human beings can be clothed with the righteousness of Jesus and walk into his presence and come boldly, come boldly into the presence of God and come boldly before him. That is what we call justification. God made Jesus sin for you and put Jesus' righteousness on you. So now, in the eyes of God, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Third thing I want to talk about is sonship, adoption. Sonship is the greatest gift God has given to human beings. Justification is important, but if we were to be justified and left like that, we wouldn't benefit as much. What God did is, He decided that we should be called His sons and daughters. I thought you would at least smile. Hallelujah. Ephesians 1 5 says, He planned from the foundation of the world that we should be adopted as His children. Ephesians 1 5. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. He predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ. And when the fullness of time came, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, all the way to 7 says that God sent. First, he sent his son. And his son was born of a woman, born under the law. And he came so that through redemption, he will give us the full rights signed by the court of the universe that we are now children of God. Yes. 
Galatians 4. Galatians chapter 4. Yes. From verse 4. Yes. But when the time had fully come, mm. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full right as sons. Full right. Full authority as sons. Yes. Because you are sons. Because you are sons. And God daughters. sent the spirit of God the son again. His into spirit. our hearts. Into our hearts. The spirit who calls out Abba Father. The spirit who calls out Abba Father. Yes. So you are no longer a slave but you a are, son. You are no longer a slave but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. You see, adoption means to take somebody who is not your biological child and go to court and sign the papers that from today, whatever is this person's family, I am taking him or her as my child. We are signing the papers. From today, the person has become my own child. And everything I have, he inherits it. When I die, he will bury me. And I too, I will treat him or her as my child. That is the adoption. You were not originally a child of God. You see, we were all creatures of God. Acts 17, 28. But John chapter 1, verse 10 to 13 says that. Jesus was in the world. The world was created by him. But the world did not know him. He came to his own people, the Jews. But his own people did not receive him. But as many as received him, who believed in his name, he gave them authority to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. John chapter 1, 10 to 13. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children, born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Did you hear that? He gave them the right. Right is a Greek word, exousia. Exousia, exesti. It means to have, you know, the freedom and the right, the authority to say you are a child of God. In fact, First John 3, 1. It's one step more than Romans chapter 5, verse 8. First John 3, 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. 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 And there are two problems with this becoming a child of God. The first problem is that our elder brother Jesus can say he doesn't accept us. You know, if your father or mother go to town and come back with somebody and say they have adopted the person and you are the firstborn, and you don't like the person. You can just show it. You demonstrate that. Is this your father? Is this your mother? Mwah. Jesus could have done that. But Hebrews 2.11 says, Jesus was not ashamed to call us brothers. Hebrews 2.11 Both the one who makes men holy, 
and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers. And do you remember Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, Go and tell my brothers that I'm going to my father and your father, to my God and your God. John 20:17. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So Jesus has accepted us. He said we are no longer slaves, we are friends. So we are friends and brothers of Jesus. Another person who can give us problems is the Holy Spirit. Because he is the Spirit of God. He will say, "Eh, where did you pick these people from? But Romans chapter 8, verse 15, let's read from verse 15 to 17. Romans eight fifteen to 17. Yes. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, mm. but you received the spirit of sonship. You received the spirit of sonship, the Holy Spirit, his job is sonship, 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 sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. By the Holy Spirit we cry, Abba. Father. You see, the problem with Abba Father is that the only person who ever called God Abba Father is Jesus. And it's only once in Mark 14, 36 in Gethsemane. He said, Abba Father. And the Holy Spirit comes and he teaches us to say Abba Father. Call God Abba Father. You see, Abba is how a child will say, Papa. Daddy. Abba, in Jesus' place. But, Hopater is Greek for saying, my father. So, Abba, Abba, father, means my father, my very dear father. Because he's calling father two times, Abba, father. And the Spirit is helping us to cry, Abba Father, Abba Father, Abba Father, Abba Father. In the Galatians 4, 6 we read, it says, Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba Father. Yes, you didn't finish. Yes. So you cry, Abba Father. The Spirit Himself testifies to our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit Himself gives testimony together with our spirit, our deepest inner person, that we are children of God. Now, you see what's happening? God says, I give you license to become my children. Jesus says, you are my brothers and sisters. Then the Holy Spirit comes to stamp inside your spirit, Abba Father, call God Father, Abba Father, Abba Father. The Spirit witnesses with your spirit and with Jesus and God that you are a child of God. Now, if you go and think about this, it will blow you apart. doesn't matter whether you are Anzima, you are American, you are Indian, you are South African, or Zulu. God has lifted all of us in Christ to the same standard. You can no longer look down on any tribe or nation until you die. Because of what God has done. Amen? That's what sonship does. And all 
all the instructions Jesus gave in the Bible is built upon this sanction. You see, he said that your heavenly father, when you come to ask him, he will give you. Is that not what he said? The Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 34. He said your father knows what you need before you come to ask. Then, he said that in the Matthew 5, 44 and 45, he said don't be like these tax collectors because you must be like your heavenly father. Be perfect as your father is perfect. Then he tells us that as my father has loved me, so have I loved you. Love one another. Jesus is the person who has come to teach us to call God Father. The whole Old Testament, God is holy, but they don't come around calling Him Father. No Muslim, no Hindu, no Buddhist, no religion in the world, no Juju man can call God Father except the Christian. Because you don't just call him. A price must be paid. The blood of Jesus. He's a child of God who can come and die and make you a child. So the son of God became son of man that sons and daughters of men will become sons and daughters of God. I want to finish this session by talking about the indwelling presence of God. Since the world began, God likes human beings because He created us in His image. So you see that in Genesis chapter 2, He came to the garden. Anything He brought to Adam to name it. It was God who saw that it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper for him. And when he created the woman, he brought the woman to man. And even chapter 3, when man fell, God came in the garden looking for man. And man was hiding because of sin. God has always wanted to be with man. He brought the people out of Egypt so that he would be among them. So he said, build a tabernacle for me so that I can come and live among them. But God never lived inside man. No. John 7, 39 says that the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. John seven thirty nine. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So it was a promise God gave in the Old Testament. We can read the Ezekiel 36:27. He said, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will remove the heart of stone out of you, and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to obey me and keep my commandments. Ezekiel 36 from 26 I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees 
and be careful to keep my laws. I, I like that. I will put my spirit within you and move you to keep my commandments. To cut a long story short, God has made us his temple. And so, God, first of all, sent the Holy Spirit, his own Holy Spirit, to come and be with us and in us forever. Let's read the John 14, verse 16 and 17. John 14, 16 and 17. Yes. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He will be with you for how long? Forever. Yes. The Spirit of truth. Yes. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and will be in you. He lives with you and will be where? In you. So the Holy Spirit has come to make his permanent home in us. But as if that were not enough, Christ has come following the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 say that, being strengthened with might in the inner man, by the Holy Spirit, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Ephesians three sixteen and 17 I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Colossians one twenty seven. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It is Christ who lives in me. Colossians 3, 3 and 4. You are dead. Your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life shall appear. Revelations 3, 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him. And he will eat with me. And we read John 14, 20. Jesus said, that day you will know that I am in the Father. You are in me, and I am in you. Second Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Galatians 3.27 As many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And Jesus himself said in the Matthew 28.18 and 20 that All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Lo, I am with you to the close of the age. So Jesus is with us. We are clothed with Jesus. We are in Jesus. Jesus is in us. And we are Jesus' people. This means that everything that you need as a resource for Christ-like character, Jesus has come to supply. But not only that, God the Father. 1 John chapter 4 verse 15 says that. Anyone who confesses Jesus is the Son of God, God comes to live in him and he in. 1 John 4.15 If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And John 14.23 Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. My Father will love you. And we, myself and my Father, will come and make our home with you. John 14, 23. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him 
and make our home with him. Please, let's close it with the Philippians 2, 12 and 13. He says that you should work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For God is at work in you to will and to do according to his own pleasure. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Say to yourself, God is at work in me. Christ lives in me. I am the permanent house of the Holy Spirit. So the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the life of Christ in the Spirit has come to make sure that God's standard for the Christian, for his child, is not too much. You are to behave well because you are a child of God. That's the argument. You see, you are to be holy because your father is holy. If you are not holy, then your father is the devil. And sometimes we think John is being too harsh. But that's what he says. He says in 1 John chapter 3 verse 8, anybody who continues in sin is of the devil. Because the devil is a sinner. He has been sinning from the beginning. That's why you are behaving like that. 1 John 3 8 He who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. You can see that I can preach the whole day. And all I want you to to notice is that God's Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we can be conformed to the image of Jesus. And everything which we need has been provided so that we can make it. Let us produce Christ-like people for the kingdom. If we do that, God will take our disciples to Alaska, to South Africa, to Eskimo, to the ends of the world, because he wants to showcase Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.